Hey. Hey. <laughs> Episode 44 with Madison Golden. Maddie. I'm calling her Maddie now because she's a friend now. <laughs> it's great. You are pretty you're pretty familiar with the work that she does through Women Give, but I got the chance to hear a lot more about the organization and hear it from someone who's in it, you know, not by way of a brochure or a video, but someone who's actively in it. And I must say, like, it was, it was very encouraging to hear about the work that is taking place there. Um, also kind of inspiring. That's like, I need to get involved with these people. So I don't want to go on a tangent here. Madison uh, Golden of Women Give is doing some really great work through the organization. And we didn't just stay there. We, we went into other places, childhood and favorite dog breeds and all kinds of different things. I was just pumped up from this conversation. Fair, do you have anything? Yeah, I agree with all of that. As Darius just alluded to, I have been involved with the organization um, Women Give for over five years now. I actually currently serve as the co-chair of the organization. So I work very... <laughs> well, just to, I'm not trying to flex. I'm just trying to set it up for for everybody to understand that I work very closely with Maddie in this capacity. And it is a really great organization. And Maddie is a really, really wonderful human being. And so we hope you enjoy the conversation we had with her today. If you guys know anybody who is also a wonderful human being that is making a difference in any capacity in their lives, please shoot them our way. We'd love to have them on as a guest, even if it's yourself. Please get mm, in touch. Let's go. <laughs> Please get in touch with us. And as always, remember to go out and make a difference today. Let's go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 44 of the Make a Difference podcast. I am Farah, along with my host Darius, and we are uh, so excited to be joined today by Madison or Maddie Golden, the director of Women Give, which um I'm going to just go off on a little tangent for a minute before we let Maddie introduce herself, but this is an organization that is so near and dear to my heart specifically. I am very involved, have been for a while, and it is just so phenomenal, and I consider Maddie to be one of my dear, dear friends, and I'm just so thankful to have her in my life and that Women Give introduced us. Um, so just a little side note there, but Maddie, thank you for being here with us today, and, and we're so excited to have have you. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be invited to participate and, and I'm really excited for our conversation today. Awesome. To start us off, tell us about you. Give us your background, your life story. <laughs> Just a really simple start. <laughs> um, so, okay. Well, my name is Madison or Maddie Golden. Um, if someone calls me and asks for Madison, I know it's a professional or an official call. And if they ask for Maddie, I know we've met before. Um, and so I, um, born and raised in Colorado and moved up to Fort Collins, um, in 2008 for school and went to CSU. So I'm a I'm a RAM and studied business marketing and Spanish and didn't really ever think I would end up in nonprofit. I thought I would do sales, which I, I did for a couple of years um, and then transitioned to um, traveling for work to uh, really working uh, more in, in my backyard and in my community. 
I'm one of five kids, so I have a big family and uh, worked in the coffee industry for a couple of years as well. So I was really able to meet a lot of amazing people um, and really serve a lot of amazing people that way. Um, I love to travel and I specifically like going to the grocery store in other countries. And I just think it's so fascinating to see, you know, what what's normal and common and you know, every day and in other places. Um, I also love to eat. I love to cook. And um, I love living in Fort Collins and um, have have really just loved living here for the last 12 years. And um, also I have always, um, I've always participated in things that surrounded um, development in some way. Um, it's early childhood development from working in a childcare facility when I was in high school to um, being a mentor to a team mom group, which was really amazing. Um, and then also just being in, in small groups and large groups of, of women um, and, and getting to learn and grow together. And so that's, that's kind of how I, I ended up um, at United Way um, and specifically working in the Women Gift Program. Um, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I just sure. like going off. I'm just... Nope. Yeah. So what, what else do I say? So it's a, I want to dive into you a little bit more, but for our audience, the Mad Podcast family, tell us all about Women Give and the, the very important work that you're doing and the people you get to work alongside of. So Women Give is a program of United Way of Larimer County, and it started in 2006 um, by a, a group of women that... They, they weren't sure what they wanted to do, but they, they were really focused on doing something to empower and benefit women in the community. So they got together with um, nonprofits, uh, local government and community members to really identify a gap. And so what they came up with was childcare scholarships for single moms that wanted to pursue higher education. And um, we didn't start out with that. Uh, as the original vision that we were going to fund childcare, but it was a gap in services um, and really a way for us to support women who were wanting a different life for their families and a different future um, through access to education. And really, really tough to pay for childcare um, in general, but especially sure. as, a, as a single parent. Um, now in Larimer County, the average cost of childcare for one month for one child is just under $1,200. And that's a, a, like a childcare facility, which is like a second mortgage. And a lot of people can't even afford a single mortgage. And so, um, so, so that's how like Women Give was really born. Um, a lot of conversations across the community to fill a gap um, and to fill a need. And so to date, how many, how many recipients have there been in the existence and how many children have been impacted with this quality childcare since the, since inception? So since the inception of the program, um, we have awarded, um, almost 850 childcare scholarships. The scholarships are awarded on a semester basis. And yeah. so um, we have recipients that will apply 
um, that are eligible and receive the scholarship one semester. And then that they just needed support that, that one semester. And then we'll have others um, that we have supported up to um, six, six to eight years if they're attending school part-time, working full-time, um, we'll, awesome. we'll award the scholarship. And really our, our hope is to continue to support them all the way through the graduation. And so if someone, um, someone is a returning applicant versus a new applicant, we do um, wait their application a little bit because we want to continue to support them, which helps the family with um, just that stability and consistency of support. Mm -hmm. um, and so we, as, as best as we can, we, we try to stick with um, our scholarship recipients all the way through their educational journey, even if they skip a semester or they take the summer off. Um, if they're a returning applicant, we, we do try to um, continue to support them as well. That's dope. And, and, and what was that number you said it was? So we've awarded um, over the last 16 years, 839 scholarships. Let's go. Um, it's pretty amazing. Um, and that's supported um, 404 children access high quality childcare um, and just the, the educational benefits that come with, with that and the social and emotional learning um, for children. And then um, we have celebrated 121 degrees earned. Um, and that could be an associate's, bachelor's, um, or a master's degree. And so um, those are women that received a Women Give Scholarship at the time of graduation. And um, mm. just is pretty remarkable. So that's, you know, that's at, at a minimum 121 women that, that we were really privileged to be able to support. So that's yeah, over a million, close to a million dollars. We've awarded, um, we've awarded up over, I think at this point, um, over $2 million in childcare scholarships. That's fantastic. So I, just for people who may be our listeners who either maybe don't have children or are in a situation where they're not, where childcare is not needed, I'd love for you to just kind of talk about the huge gap that exists for this. Um, and, and maybe not even just obviously with single moms, but just in general, I know that there's, um, there's a program out there that does help with the cost of childcare. It's called CCAP, but there's a lot of gaps there. And so I'd love if you could just talk a little bit about that and why Women Give is such a needed program in our community. So CCAP, um, stands for the Colorado Child Care Assistance Program. And so there is funding for um, income qualified families that need support with child care, um, which also comes with some um, eligibility requirements. And so when Women Give started, um, if a woman was, if, if a mother was income qualified um, and was working, she could receive support for child care. Um, but that support did not apply to schooling hours. And so you could get the support for childcare if you were working, but um, not for those hours when you were in school. And so Women Give filled, filled that gap for the schooling hours. So we do have some recipients who receive support from CCAP, and they also su receive support from Women Give. And the, the rules around CCAP have changed um, over the years, there was a, a time when schooling was considered um, 
an activity that was eligible for support, um, but it, it goes back and forth. And so our scholarship is actually, or the demand for our scholarship um, is correlated with what funding is available um, through CCAP. And so if uh, they, you know, it's, it's really hard to work full-time and go to school full-time and be a parent um, and afford all the things you need to, all the things you need to. So Women Give um, has filled that gap for those um, schooling hours for single parents because there are a lot of supports um, for, for families, especially in um, Northern Colorado. There's a lot of amazing programs. Um, and this is, this is one gap that Women Give is, is able to fill. And we work really closely with Project Self-Sufficiency and do serve a lot of the same families. Um, and for those who aren't familiar, Project Self-Sufficiency provides um, considerable resources and support for single parents. Um, and we were um, talking with their executive director earlier this year, maybe last year, um, and that in the last year alone, Women Give had awarded $250,000 in childcare scholarships to their program participants. And that funding, that $250,000 that Women Give was providing, allowed Project Self-Sufficiency to use their funding for other things like academic scholarships, emergency supports. And so our funding for those scholarships frees them up to, to, serve, their, um, to serve families in a different way. Awesome. For sure. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot a little bit. I'm gonna give you a warning. I'm gonna pivot. Okay. Pivot. Um, you were one of five children. You came up. You know, you you gravitated towards groups, and you're sensitive, and you like seeing you know corner stores in different countries and how people shop. And this, tell me about tell us about your your childhood. What was your childhood like? Um, I spent a lot of time outside. Um, and, you know, as much as I, like, love groups and being around people, I think I've always, like, secretly been an introvert <laughs> because I spent so much time by myself as a kid um, and had, like, a few close friends. Um, and, and, and really, but for, for the most part, I was um, around family or I was by myself a lot as a kid. And I had two, two older brothers and then I'm the middle child and then have a, a little sister and a, a baby brother and um, kind of surprising. Hopefully my brother doesn't mind me saying this, but my oldest brother is going to be 40 this year and my baby brother is a senior in high school. That's so cool. pretty wide range of kids. And so um, it wasn't necessarily my, my childhood, but when I was in high school, my little brother was born. And so um and, and so family was really important and we showed up for each other and we're really, really loyal. And um, I spent a lot of time listening to books on tape as a kid. Um, like Adventures in Odyssey? <laughs> I did listen to Adventures in Odyssey. I also um, <laughs> listened to Peter and the Wolf like a ton and would get really scared. Um, but I, I also really loved now that I think about it, like I loved baking as a kid. I, we made, would make cookies a lot. And um, yeah, I would make forts on the uh, clothesline outside and just like sit outside and um, in my little forts. And uh, my, a friend of mine and I would make commercials. Did you guys ever do that? You would like steal your parents' camcorder, like the, the video 
what is it? What is it called? Yeah. Reco- uh, video uh, camera. Video camera. Yeah. Yeah. And um, we would record commercials. And so I, I was always kind of a silly kid, um, but also like very serious about school. Um, and so wanted to do well and, and maybe I was always kind of a performer, I guess, like always trying to make people happy and like bring the group together and like, and do stuff as, as a group and, and really to share what I had. And I think that probably came from being a part of a big family is that like, it's ours, it's not yours. <laughs> so. Were you really close with your parents? <clears throat> you know, I was always pretty close with my mom and it wasn't until I became an adult that I really got a lot closer to my dad. Um, he is kind of a quiet person, um, and not, not a big offerer of, of information, but once he starts talking, you really can't stop him. So I've <laughs> learned a lot of patience from listening to my dad. Um, but I was going to ask you, what were some of looking back at it? What are some of those things that you're like, just grateful to have learned from your parents? Um, just really quick before you answer that question, I just want to like sidebar for a quick second and just talk about how back in those days, the camcorders were those massive cameras and you had to put them on your shoulder to hold them up. And then you'd look through the thing and it would be on your shoulder. We didn't have cell phones to record videos. And I just really needed to mention that because I also, Maddie, was a kid who loved to record videos of like, Uh, whether it was commercials or performances and we'd have to take out this massive video (laughs) camera and it was so gigantic. And then it would record onto an actual videotape that went in a VCR. And you could record (laughs) over it. You could record over stuff. And I I remember like, I'm also surprised that my parents like let us use that. So it was kind (laughs) of an expensive thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Those days they were. That's so funny. Yeah. And, and so I think maybe, I mean, as a kid, we would always be we like making jokes and would come up with like products <laughs> we were selling. And I remember I was a real estate agent in one of them. <laughs> Actually, funny enough, we were doing a fashion show and there was this purse that, I don't know why I'm sharing this. There was this purse that had <laughs> an animal print on it. And I think we were promoting like vegan something <laughs> like no animal cruelty and someone was like nice cow and it was like, supposed to be offensive but um, oh my god just so silly, funny just silly kids sorry for the sidebar I just I just needed to note for maybe our younger listeners that um, when we talk about recording videos back in those days that's what it was so anyway continue with Darius's question and these are deep questions <laughs> um so what am I most grateful to have learned from my parents? Being curious and learning how things work. And that is something I really learned from my dad um, was he would always explain to us like why things worked a certain way. Like if the <laughs> the toilet like wasn't flushing, he'd be like, well, get in there and see what's going on. So like take the tank off the back of Let's the go. toilet and like, figure out how to fix it, figure out how to make it right, figure out how to put it back or, you know, do whatever. And so I think that has really served me well instead of being like, oh, it's not working and, you know, putting my hands up and walking away, but really digging in and trying to figure out why or if there's anything I can do to make it better or, 
if there's anything I can do to, to fix it. And, and I think that was really empowering to me um, as a child and as a young adult. And also, especially as a woman, like my dad taught me how to change a tire and taught me how to change the oil, which I've actually never done. I do know how to do it, but I've never done it. Um, but that I think it taught me that like, I can learn, I can learn and that I am capable. Um, and if something's not working, I don't have to be afraid of it, but that I can, um, I can really get in there and, and try to figure it out. Love it. Absolutely love it. All right. All right. Now, the work you do, the work you do with Women Give, I'm curious to know, how does the work that you do shape or just reaffirm your vision for having a family of your own one day, if that's something you want? I think the work that I do helps to really shape the vision I have for my family, my future family, because I do want to have a family one day. And I think that the, the piece of Women Give that there's so many components of it that are really powerful, but one is that there is support and that there is community. Um, and also that everyone's invited to participate. And so I think that that is really important that there is space and that there is room. And because there's so many different dimensions and aspects of, of women give specifically, there's roles for, for everybody. And so I think when I, when I think about, a family and a community, um, knowing that one, we're not alone and, um, two, that there's a space and a role for everyone to participate and contribute and to be a part of something bigger than themselves, which I think is true for my family. We're all very different as far as the kids go. Um, but it's the, it is the parts that make up the whole and it would be different if, you know, one of us wasn't there. And so something I've really tried to learn and embrace as I've gotten older is that different doesn't mean better, but different also doesn't mean worse. And so that every, everyone is different, but everyone has a place um, and, and something to, to contribute. Does that answer yeah. your question? It does. It does. Now, now my next question is this, you know, you, you guys are serving these, these mothers who, you know, who are going against the odds and me being a, a male, I'm curious to know, is there a space, is there a space within women give and within the demographic that you're serving that men can step into, and this is outside of financial contribution. Is there a gap or a space in which men, and let's just say everyday men, you know, don't, you don't have to be something, someone super special that we could come in and um, serve the children or serve these women in some capacity? Is there something you see there that's maybe an opportunity for men to really come in and uh, play a, 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 an edifying role? That's a great question. The way that the program is set up right now, we don't, we don't have a system for that, but we are in the process of basically pairing women give recipients that are getting the scholarship or that have gone on to graduate. So they're, they receive a scholarship at some point and then having them tell us what, what do they need? Like, what are the gaps um, for them now during school? They're pr pretty busy. So I think a lot more graduates will utilize this resource, but to really match people that support the women give program that care about it with a recipient who is needing 
some additional support. And that could be like professional mentoring. It could be coaching. It could be an informational interview. And that's across industries. And we have recipients in, in every area of study. Um, and so I think that that is one way um, that's a little more structured that, yeah, for sure. that could could be that. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Um, yeah. Other than other than being an advocate as well for access to resources and and I think women in general and people in general have had um, unfortunate experiences with men and with women. And so if you're a regular everyday person, like be decent, <laughs> be a decent person. Mm-hmm. And um, I think to, to be someone that's going to counter that stereotype or to be right. a person that, I mean, even, even if you're, maybe you are a parent or a dad at a school, you have no idea who's watching you. And so if there are, are, say they are women get recipients and they see you as a dad showing up at pickup or dropping your kid off at school or um, like being an example of what a, a parent could be and what a man could be um, in, in those scenarios that I think predominantly there are way more from, from what I guess maybe my experience. There's a lot of women that are the primary caretaker for their families and I think it's important for, for, for children. This is just my personal opinion. I think it's important for children. And I think it is important for families that both parents or both caretakers or guardians are involved, if there are two, um, that, that you show up. And you, mm-hmm. you know, maybe are a person that counters some of those stereotypes that, that I think really do damage to um, men that are, are really showing up for their families and, and for their community. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And I was just curious. So thank you for, for, for answering that question. Do you have any ideas? Open to I, ideas, I, suggestions? I have, I have tons of ideas, actually. I mean, um, share away. We, I, we do not have this thing cornered. We we're like working really hard, but there is always room for improvement and new ideas. And I guess yeah. my approach is like, let's see how if we can make that work. You know, Like, yeah. tell me what you want and let's see if it'll work. So. Yeah. And, and, the, and the perspective, you know, my question comes from a perspective of, you know, I it's it's complete side note. It's so it's interesting in our current culture. You kind of feel like you have to tap dance around certain things. Right. Like I'm, I'm, I'm even being mindful of certain ways that I'm framing things or even asking questions because, <clears throat> you know, not knowing who, you know, who might be on the receiving end of my words. And it's a very interesting, very polarizing time, even using certain words, which is, it's a side note. It's an, it's an interesting experience that I, I I love watching and dancing with. Um, But it comes from the perspective of, you know, I have had the privilege of seeing children who I've seen children in some pretty rough spots and been with them and have seen, uh, the presence of a, of a strong male and not strong in the sense of um, like a, having an, an emphatic nature or anything, but strong in the sense of character, conviction, tenderness, the ability to instruct and do different things and serve and, you know, humility, all these different things. Um, I would, I would position that the 
the family and the the child in particular uh, benefits from that, even if it isn't their father. It's the presence of that, you know. Uh, and so that's really where that question comes from, because you, you get to see mom grinding and she's turning her life around. And but there's also another side. You like say if you're you're a young man. Right. You know, I, I can't say a woman can't raise a man because I was raised by a single mom. Um, I can't say that. But there's also things that if you have a man around you who has walked and has learned and has made mistakes and has, hey, young man, you're about to go, you know, it, there's just various different things. And so that's really where that question comes from is like, and I think just serving women, like a lot of times we confine male to female relationships to, you know, your more intimate boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife type of relationships, but brother, sister exists as well you know, and to have a group, a culture of men who are committed to women and children um, who are not their own in the sense of being a husband or father is a very good thing in my opinion. So anyways, I know I completely agree. And um, I, I love seeing, I think there is this misconception that, that women give is only for women to contribute to our scholarship recipients are all women at this point in time, there are a lot of, uh, not a lot, there are a number of men who own businesses or who were raised by a single parent or are single parents themselves um, that are advocates for for women and for children. And um, they show up at our events as well, or they come to support their partner or they come by themselves because they support the, the cause. And I wish there were more because there needs to be more. <laughs> um, no, I, I wish there were more because I, I think that there, there is this space where, oh, well, it's a women's program or the women are the only ones that support it. And that's not true. Mm-hmm. We, we need everybody on board um, to support women and children and families, not just because it is a beautiful thing to do, um, but it also is something that will impact generations. We're raising our future in these children and we want them to be the best possible people for our future world. And there's a business case for it. There's an economic case for it. Like, even if you don't care about kids, do you care about the economy? Do you care about you know all of these other things? And so we can make a case from any angle that yeah. investing in, women and children and education and healthy people, healthy, healthy, stable people is really good for everyone. Absolutely. I'm going to shift gears. <laughs> I know we're just, you know, we're off the rails. I uh, know. I think it's great. I think that these are all important, important things. And, you know, I was just, I was having a conversation, uh, I don't know. I think it was last week with some dear friends of mine about the family unit and how that really looks very different for everybody. Um, And I think even I would, I would venture to say that nowadays, like it's when kids go to school, it's more common than not for everybody to be from different situations and have a different family unit. Um, But with that being said, I think that that just goes to, to show that community 
and having a community of or a village, so to speak, <laughs> is really important. Like Darius was talking about, um, it doesn't necessarily have to be a father figure, but having a male figure in a child's life, probably more particularly a young boy's life, is important. And the same could be said for the opposite. So I think that that village is really important. Anyway, I want to know why why philanthropy is so important to you. I've asked other people this question before. <laughs> <laughs> why is philanthropy important to me? I think I think this goes back to growing up in a large family and being a part of a community and and this is this is my view and I think a lot of people share this as well that like what I have is to be shared and I want to be a part of something bigger than myself and so um, if I can help or contribute or support, um, it feels wrong to me to withhold that, to say this is just for me, because I don't think that's true. I think that whatever I have to offer is for, um, not, not to be taken advantage of but or to be exploited, but really if I have something to offer that it, it is meant to be shared. So philanthropy is really important to me for lots of reasons, but I think you get to participate in something bigger than yourself. And um, I feel like those that that have it to share um, should share. (laughs) Let's share. I love it. I love it. You know, what's truly amazing to me, and I think we see this in in Women Give, but I know that it's not the only place we see this, but um, when we help these single moms and then they graduate and then they get jobs what we actually see is it coming full circle and then they become advocates in our community whether they become members of women give themselves and are donating to help the next generation or they end up working for as um uh I don't know the exact titles, but there's a number of women give recipients that end up going and working for project self-sufficiency or um, another organization like that. And so I think what's interesting is I think sometimes we get caught up in um, we give and then like what happens after that. But I think that when you actually follow it, you can see the real impact that it has and, and these, these, recipients and these people who are being helped end up turning around and then and then it comes full circle so I think that that's really beautiful um Maddie this title your your title at Women Give which is director is somewhat new and I we have a lot of leaders that listen to this this podcast and so but I think that one thing that's really unique about you is that you are new to your title of leadership, we really believe, and I know Darius and I share this philosophy, but you don't have to have a title to be a leader. Um, And we really believe that. However, since you are now new to this title and you've had some time to work in it and you have a team under you, I'm just kind of curious if you could share some things that you've learned over the last year um, that have to do with leadership now that you're in this position. I agree that you don't have to have a title to lead. And I really think there's a difference between authority and influence. And I think in the last year, this is the first time I've ever had a a direct report. 
someone that I'm responsible for overseeing directly. But then as far as leadership goes in the last year, I feel like I, I have learned that there's only so much you can do to manage a process. Um, but really investing in time and emotional energy into developing the people, the process and the program is going to take care of itself in some way. Um, mm. But that by investing in, in the person and saying, I believe in you, why don't you try this? Giving space to, to make mistakes and maybe stretch beyond what they think they can do. Um, to say like, well, how about you try this? You know, so there's there's some space, but then also some parameters and framework, I think is really encouraging to allow people to stretch a little bit because they can, um, but also knowing like, I'm not gonna um, blast you for making a mistake. You know, it's like, let's let's figure this out together and we're, we're both growing and learning. And, and I think part of the reason, and I don't know for sure, but I think part of the reason why I was um, able to move into this director role is that over the last couple of years, I've been asking for a seat at the table um, with some, some things that happened uh, or like a project that was happening with our board, um, some other things that were happening with other leaders. I asked to participate and it was beyond my title. It was beyond my role, but I wanted to be able to understand what was going on on a larger level so that I, I could lead more effectively, but so that I could also speak to what was happening, you know, within our organization and within our community. So I, I guess it's, it's investing in people um, and then not, not being afraid to say, I don't know, or that I'm still learning because I am learning a ton. And um, also I'm really grateful to have a, a great leader myself and, and support in my boss, Allison Hines um, at, at United Way. And I think she's taught me a lot about how to really invest in people um, and, and value them. And that creates a lot of, I think loyalty, but also ownership of, of what you're, working on because you're also being trusted to you're being entrusted with um, something that means a lot to other people too. It's great. You're also being entrusted with someone's life, you know? Um, yeah. My, my, she's amazing. She was my, our, our program um, coordinator, Lincoln L was our intern and graduated from college. And so this is her first professional experience. And so I felt a lot of pressure <laughs> to give her a good positive first professional experience. And it's also my first time being like a boss. And so um, in the official sense, I mean, I think I'm kind of a boss sometimes. <laughs> but really being a boss and being a supervisor and, and wanting to in some way, you know, kind of set, set the bar for her as far as what her expectations are for, for what a healthy organization looks like, you know, what open communication with supervisor looks like. Um, and I felt, I feel very honored, but also like the pressure of being a part of kicking off that trajectory for her. Um, and so it's not some, a role I, I take lightly. You mentioned, um, your leader, Allison, and you mentioned that she's wonderful and you've really enjoyed working under her. So I'm curious, what are 
give us like two or three qualities that Allison possesses that make her a good leader. A couple of things that I've really appreciated about Allison is that she is she's really trusting of her staff and saying like, I believe that that you can do this. And she's someone who taught me to like go a little bit, do a little bit more, like grow in, in leadership in this way, like ask to sit, ask to sit at the table, ask to participate. And, and to say, like, you can, do, you can do this. And so I think that belief and trust has been really important. And then also when it has been time to, to make a call or make a decision, she's also been able to do that um, for us. And so I think as a, a strong leader with a really clear vision and direction, but then also able to say, we're doing this together and that I, I trust you and I believe in you and I think you can you can grow and and do more as a leader. Um, It's really empowering. All right. Shout out to Allison. All right. We don't have our sound effect machine, but it's time for some rapid fire. I I think of like an automatic gun. Yeah. We got to get, we got to get a, (laughs) we got to, yeah, we got to get a noise for rapid fire. I am into that. Let's go. Let's go. (laughs) Okay. Are you ready, Maddie? I'm Madison, ready. Rather, let me call you Madison. Call me Maddie. Call me Maddie. Yeah, we've crossed. We've crossed. We've gone deep here. We're friends now. All right. Okay. Don't overthink these. Do not overthink these. Just tell you that now. What is your favorite breed of dog? Cattle dog. Cattle dog. All right. I gotta say, I'm really shocked that you came up with that so quickly. Okay. Childhood hero. Childhood hero. My grandma. Grandma. Let's go, grandma. Okay. Favorite quote. I have this displayed in my office and it's a little edgy. I'm very nice, but it's kind of edgy. So it says, someone once told me not to bite off more than I can chew. I told them I'd rather choke on greatness than nibble on mediocrity. Let's go. Who said that? I tried to find it. It's unknown. It's anonymous. I like that. I like it. Anonymous. Shout out to anonymous. All right. Last book you started and finished. Untamed by Glennon Doyle. It's a okay. great book. Okay. Three places you want to visit in the next 10 years. Sri Lanka, France, Japan. Okay. Scariest thing you've ever done. Get divorced. Right. Scariest thing you've never done that you want to do. Skydive. Let's go. All right. Favorite place to eat. In Fort Collins or just right. in general. You can be anywhere. <laughs> Sri Lanka. I don't know. <laughs> Um, the street, so street food, the street, street meat. All right. All right. Last but not least, um, how do you want to be remembered? Say you're 85, you died 88 years old. You've served like, this is not a rapid fire anymore. It's just an introspective question. Uh, how do you want to people to not remember you in the sense of like legacy, but the people who crossed your path, like when they think of you, Right. What do you want them to think? Um, I, as you asked, started asking this question, I was like, oh, am I going to cry? Um, I think one of the, how I want people to remember me, or I guess like the impression I want to leave is that I, I want people to leave from my presence or leave, like be in relationship with me, knowing that they are loved and that I 
I believe in them and I see their like truest self. Um, and maybe, maybe that's more than they like believe in themselves, but really it's that they, they will have had a, had a glimpse of who I see them to be and that they, um, they can believe that themselves as well. All right. Last, but I, I, I thought I was done, but I have one more question for you. What is your greatest fear? My, my greatest fear, my greatest fear is being irrelevant. All right. <laughs> I mean, I dig that. Yeah. And then before we end, I did want to share, can I share a little bit about how people participate in women again? Absolutely. That was okay. actually, that's how we no, were going to. No, we, we don't want to. Get out of here. Yes. Please share with us where people can find out more information about Women Give, how they can get involved with Women Give, all of that. Okay. So for people to participate with Women Give, um, there are a few different ways they can support the, the scholarship program as an individual, uh, gifts of any size, but if someone wants to be um, considered a Women Give member. It's a $500 annual gift um, to our scholarship program. And then we also have business members who will join with a gift of $1,000 or more per year. And then they're considered a business member, Madwire's business member. Um, and then uh, we have several events throughout the year. Almost all of them are free to attend and um, those are open. So those are open to members and also individuals that just want to learn more about our program and, and come hang out with us. It's a pretty phenomenal community of people. Um, and then um, if someone is a member, they can volunteer on a couple of, or on one or any of our volunteer committees that write cards to, to our recipients, help plan our events, um, and then also review our scholarship applications and make award decisions. And so there, there's, like I believe, there's a place for everyone. And um, they're really, that really is true with Women Give. You can participate as fully um, as you want to as a volunteer or as a leader, um, or we have a lot of members that, that contribute to the program financially as well. And then really just being an advocate for um, community supports for families and um, doing cool things like like this and sharing the mission and vision of our program. And um, you can find more out about Women Give at www.uwaylc.org backslash Women Give. And there's more information on our website. You can follow us on Instagram or find us on Facebook. Awesome. Well, Maddie, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. We really enjoyed yes, the conversation. You. And um, as I always like to say to everyone listening, go out and make a difference today. Yes, sir.